Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Uh, before we start, I have found a couple of reviews that uh, haven't been read out. Um, iTunes has just updated me. Um, so I'm going to read them out for you guys. We've got a five-star review from Thad67. Uh, you do a great job. Really enjoy the history from the British point of view. Keep up the good work. Enjoy your dad on the show also. Uh, the next one from Beer Slave. Um, it says, a great podcast. Dan, the podcast is wonderful. He truly knows how to tell a good story. His shows are informative and well put together, fun to listen to. Uh, and then we've had one this week, uh, which is from Frank. This is another five-star review. Um, and it says, really love hearing your dad on the podcast he is always well prepared selects very interesting topics and his delivery is great especially liked Lindbergh, casey jones hitler john bonnet ramsey episodes keep bringing dad back uh, and then he's put a little note on the end that says you have also improved a great deal since the beginning look forward to your episodes <laughs> so that little chuckle in the background is dad he is back on the show i thought i would introduce it with a couple of reviews that have basically said yeah bring I'm, your dad back i'm not too bad <laughs> yeah, yeah so um so we've got dad back now this um we we have talks about the episodes that we're going to do um little conversations and are we going to do this or we're going to try this or dad wants to do this um and he's picked one today that i've no idea never heard of it he didn't tell me so sometimes he'll tell me well we're going to review for example, John Bonnet Ramsey um, didn't know a huge amount about it, so did a little bit of research myself before going into the episode. Um, this one, he's refused to tell me even what it's called, so I haven't got a clue. So it's not my podcast today. So <laughs> what, what are we even talking about today? Because I haven't got a clue. Okay, we are talking about the RMS Laconia. Okay. Never uh, heard of it. Okay, RMS, Royal Mail Ship. So, again, it's a nautical one. It was a postman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. And it's, I, I think you'll find this one quite interesting. Okay. And a lot of your listeners may well know the story, but they may not actually know the details. Okay. So I, I haven't got a clue, so, so if you I know thought, more... So I thought I'd... I'll surprise you with this I was going to say, if any of the listeners know, you know more than I do already, so... Okay. All right, shall we start off? Just because you win a war, or even a battle, it doesn't mean that you don't commit war crimes. And today, we're going to look at an incident that occurred during the longest continuous single battle in World War Two. Okay. The Battle of the Atlantic. Now, I know it's a battle that you've yet to cover... Um, but, yeah, but you might. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some battles that last days. There are some battles that last weeks. This particular battle, the Battle of the Atlantic, totaled five years, eight months, and five days. It ran from the 3rd of September 1939 to the 8th of May 1945. And today, I'm going to tell you about one small, single incident during this battle. Okay. And you can stretch that out to 45 minutes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can stretch it out even longer. And I think <laughs> it may go out longer. All right. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with it, the Battle of the Atlantic involved the Kriegsmarine, or the German Navy, against the Allied shipping, cargo ships, and armoured troop carriers. I say armed troops because although any ship belonging to an enemy of Germany was a potential target, it was armed passenger ships and those carrying essential war supplies that were the designated targets. Right, OK. OK. And it was because of this particular incident that Admiral, Admiral Donitz, the commander of the German Navy submarine units, issued an order that became known as the Laconia Order. So what did the instruction mean to the wolf packs of the Navy's U-boat section? Basically, the Laconia Order strictly forbade captains of U-boats from coming to the aid of any ship in distress. 
and it ushered in the era of unrestricted submarine warfare. Okay. Believe it or not, there are rules in warfare. Until late September 1942, German U-boats worked under the prize or cruiser rules. Now, this did dictated that a submarine had to make contact with a merchant ship and make a request to search that ship for war supplies. Then, if necessary, place the crews in a place of safety before sinking the ship. That is unless the target ship showed a persistent refusal to stop or active resistance to the visit or the search. So to follow these rules, up to 1942, a German submarine had to surface before attacking and it was common for the U-boats to actually assist torpedoed survivors with food, water, simple medical care for the wounded and a compass bearing to the nearest landmass. Okay. It's quite civil, really. Yeah. This, of course, did not apply if it was a military ship or it was visibly armed. Okay. Okay. So the issuing of the Laconia Order changed this and led to unrestricted submarine warfare. Now, that means that merchant ships were then to be attacked without warning. That's dangerous. So, as you can appreciate, prior to this order being issued, if you were on an unarmed merchant ship, you got a reasonably good chance of survival if you were unfortunate enough to encounter a U-boat. After September 1942, it would be unlikely you would even see your attacker. Wow. The first indication would be when a torpedo struck, most likely killing some of the crew, and in some instances the ship may even sink before you could reach a lifeboat. Even if you survived the explosion and the sinking, you would end up adrift in a small boat, probably and most likely on the Atlantic Ocean. So how many people died in the Battle of the Atlantic? 3,500 merchant vessels were sunk in the battle with a loss of over 36,000 sailors. This is merchant. This is not military. Are these British merchants? Cargo ships under the British flag. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Bearing, bearing in mind, after 1940, it was Britain was on its own. Mm. So you sailed under a British flag, that's what you got. Wow. On the German side, 783 U-boats were sunk with a loss of over 30,000 submariners. 75% of the total U-boat service was sunk. Was sunk. Wow. That's a dangerous job. This was the highest casualty rate of any service in any country involved in the Second World War. Hmm. You had a one in four chance of survival if you were on a U-boat. Well, I mean, once you hit, you hit, aren't you? There's no... Hmm. You're done. So what was the Laconia Order? Now, when translated into English, there were four parts to it first part said all efforts to save survivors of sunken ships such as the fishing out of swimming men and putting them on board lifeboats the writing of overturned lifeboats or the handing over of food and water must stop rescue contradicts the most basic demands of the war and the destruction of hostile ships and their crews that's part one the orders concerning the bringing in of captains and chief engineers stay in effect. So if you could, ca- if the U-boat could capture the captain or a chief engineer of a ship, they would do so, and they would become a prisoner of war. But everyone else would just be left. Everybody else would be left. Nice. Survivors are to only be saved if their statements are important to the boat. So if you deemed that you had some high-ranking bod on the boat, and you torpedoed it, and you found this high-ranking person, you could take them on board, they would also become a prisoner of war. So petty officers were left to drown. Yes. Yeah. And the final part was a statement that said, 
be harsh. Remember that the enemy has no regard for women and children when bombing German cities. Well, that that bit is kind of true. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. granted, you know, they did it first, but, you know... <laughs> <clears throat> so, in the Nuremberg trials at the end of the war, the prosecutors, mainly the US prosecutors... They cited Admiral Donitz's Laconia order as evidence that he had personally committed war crimes because it instigated unrestricted submarine warfare. Mm-hmm. Okay, This actually backfired when German, the German defence produced evidence that Admiral Nimitz uh, had practised unrestricted submarine warfare against Japan from day one. So they sort of blew themselves out of the water with that one. Admiral Donitz was only sentenced to 10 years in prison. Now, if you remember, Admiral Donitz was the second Fuhrer. I was going to say, was he? Yeah. He took over from Adolf Hitler when Hitler committed suicide. For for a day, though. For, for a few days, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, he wasn't a low-down officer. He was basically the second Fuhrer. Yeah. Yeah. Only served 10 years in prison. So what caused the Kriegsmarine commander to issue this order believe it or not it was initiated by an event that has become known as the laconia incident it's named after the ship that was involved the royal mail ship laconia rms laconia she was a cunard liner that the british navy had requisitioned in 1939 and converted into a troop ship there's uh, your first right yeah this involved uh being fitted out with eight six inch guns and two three inch high angled naval guns and these were actually fitted to the ship right okay early september 1942 saw the laconia in in cape town south africa she was given a mission to transport just under 1,800 Italian prisoners of war from Cape Town in South Africa to Freetown in Sierra Leone. Also on board for this trip were 463 officers, 87 civilian women and children, 286 British soldiers, and 103 Polish soldiers acting as guards for the prisoners. In command of the Laconia was a Captain Rudolf Sharp, now, he had previously been the captain of the RMS Lancastria when it was sunk by German aircraft. And that was uh, whilst carrying British troops from France on the 17th of June 1940 as part of Operation Ariel, which was a continuation of Dunkirk. Right. Now, on that occasion, between 4,000 and 7,000 people died in that particular sinking. It is the largest single ship loss of life in British history and the captain of the Laconia was the captain of that ship at that time. So the captain didn't go down with the ship then? Not on that occasion. No. It's a bit bad though when you've got (laughs) got that amount of people dying. That's true. Now the, the Laconia left South Africa on the 12th of September and she was sailing a zigzag course some 650 miles off the coast of West Africa. It's about midway between Liberia and Essential Islands, so it's, it's quite a way out into the yeah. Atlantic Ocean. Unfortunately for her, there were Axis submarines operating in the same area. Axis being the Germans. Yeah, the Axis yeah, powers. The Axis powers. Now, U-156, under the command of Corvette and Captain Vernon Hartenstein, was one of these submarines. At around 10 o'clock in the evening... Hartenstein spotted a large British ship sailing alone. Now he could see it was an armed transport, which meant it was a legitimate target for attack without warning, as per the old codes. Yeah. This was the Laconia. Through his periscope, he could see that the ship was clearly an armed troop transport. Tubes loaded. He prepared it to attack. Hartenstein fired a single torpedo at the uh, Laconia, and he did not miss. It hit the ship on the starboard side midships. Unfortunately, this was exactly where the ship's holds were. 
Housed in those holds were the 1,800 Italian prisoners of war. The resulting explosion killed many of them, and those that survived the initial explosion now found that the holds were filling rapidly with seawater. Yep. At 10.20pm, so bearing in mind it is dark, Mm. the Laconia transmitted a message. Triple S, Triple S, 0434 South, 1125 West Laconia Torpedoed. That was the message that they sent out. Triple S was the code signal for under attack by submarine. Right, okay. The message was sent on the Royal Navy distress signal frequency a fact that reinforced Hartenstein's belief he had acted correctly when he had attacked a troop ship right yeah yeah okay so he's seen a ship with guns he's attacked it he's attacked it and he's confirmed that it is a British troop ship because they've used a British radio frequency yeah right a few minutes later in order to make sure he sent a second torpedo into the Laconia. Captain Sharp ordered the Laconia to be abandoned. That was after the second torpedo hit. There was no way that ship was going to survive. And he ordered that women and children and any injured personnel be loaded onto the lifeboats. After the second impact, the Laconia started to lean over to the right, which prevented the lifeboats from leaving on one side. Captain Sharp, perhaps conscious of the guilt he felt over the loss of the Lancastria a couple of years earlier, reportedly ensured that the women and children were placed in the lifeboats. He then walked to his cabin and locked the door. He went down with his ship. Which is what you mentioned. Yeah, on the second time of asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible, though, isn't it? Under the decks, the chaos was unbelievable. The Italian POWs that had survived the initial explosion were left locked in the cargo hold as the Sliconia started to go down. They tried to escape by breaking down hatches, climbing up ventilation shafts. Several of them were shot. Some of them were attacked with bayonets by the Polish guards, who carried rifles with bayonets but no ammunition (laughs) okay for some reason um they were attacked with uh, these rifles with bayonets when they tried to rush a lifeboat station right okay eventually those that could made it topside only to find there was only one life raft left that could be launched so without any other course of action they jumped into the sea once there they didn't fare any better some of the survivors later recounted how some of the italians in the water were either shot or when they tried to get onto the sides of the lifeboats actually had their hands cut off by axes by the people inside the boat wow that's brutal the blood in the water attracted sharks yep that's what it does As the Laconia began to sink, Hartenstein surfaced, basically in order to capture the ship's surviving senior officers and uh, put them as prisoners of war for interrogation. To his surprise, Hartenstein saw over 2,000 people struggling in the water. You're 650 miles away from land. You've got 2,000 people in the water. What would you do? What, in a U-boat? Yeah. Mm. I don't think there's anything you can do, is there? There's Mm. no way you can save them all. I know maritime rules are you're supposed to save drowning sailors, but you can't. So, Well, this is what he did. Hartenstein, having surfaced the U-156, made his way towards the survivor or survivors, shall we say. It was then he found that the majority of passengers were actually Italian prisoners of war and civilians. Now, after realising this, he switched the operation to a rescue mission. 
he sent out a coded message to U-Boat Command. And the message was, Sunk by Hartenstein, uh, Hartenstein, British Laconia, grid reference, FF7213110 degrees. Unfortunately, with 1,500 Italian prisoners of war. So far, 90 fished. Request orders. 90 fish means saved. 90 fished, yeah. Fished out the water, yeah. Yeah. The head of submarine operations, Admiral Donitz, received it, received the message, and immediately ordered seven U-boats from the Ice Bar group that were gathering to take part in a surprise attack on South African Cape Town. He ordered them to divert to the scene to pick up survivors. Donitz then informed Berlin of the situation and the actions he had taken. Hitler was absolutely fuming. He was furious. He ordered that any rescue be abandoned. Admiral Raider, who was in charge of the whole of the Navy, remember Donitz is in charge of the submarines. submarines. Admiral Raider ordered Donitz to disengage the seven boats which included Hartenstein's 156, and sent them back to Cape Town as per the original plan. He did, however, order the U-506 and 507 and an Italian submarine, the Capelleni, to the area to rescue any Italians they could find. No other survivors were to be rescued by Axis forces. Raider also requested that Vichy French ships attend. Now, Vichy Vichy French are the French under the control of the Germans. Which they were for most of the war. There was a part of France that was never conquered, and that was the Free French. South of France. Parts of South of France. But the Vichy French were the ones... It was the French government, but they were under control of the Germans. Yeah. So the three submarines ordered to the area were instructed to only pick up the Italian survivors and only a small number on each, with instructions to save no more men as would allow the boat to remain fully actionable when submerged. Okay. Yeah. So, because if you you put too many on, it won't be able to get back up. Right. U-156 did not disengage as ordered, but picked up as many survivors as he could. His submarine was packed both above and below decks with almost 200 survivors standing on the deck. This included five women. He had another 200 in tow on four lifeboats. Wow. He placed a large red cross above the bridge and gun of his submarine, giving a clear signal to any vessel that his submarine was on a rescue mission. This was now a Red Cross-sanctioned rescue mission. Yeah. At 6am the next morning, September the 13th, Hartenstein broadcast in English to all shipping in the area. He gave away his position... He requested assistance from the rescue. Uh, well, he requested assistance with the rescue effort, promising not to attack. The message said, "If any ship will assist the shipwrecked Laconia crew, I will not attack, providing I am not being attacked by ship or air forces. I have currently picked up a hundred and ninety-three men. Four. Uh, 453 South, 1126 West, German submarine. It is known that the British forces received this message. Okay. U-156 remained on the surface at the scene for the next two and a half days. And at 11.30 on the 15th of September, she was joined by the 506 and a few hours later by the U-507, and the Italian submarine, the Capellini. 
the four submarines with lifeboats in tow and hundreds of survivors standing on their decks headed for the African coastline and a rendezvous with the VC French um, rescue ships. As you can appreciate, progress wasn't that quick. You're towing... Yeah. Yeah, and you've got people on the deck of a submarine. <laughs> You're like, it's not good. No. Now, the same day, the 15th of September... The British forces, who had now been aware of the situation for 48 hours, passed the information about the Laconia to the American forces who, who were operating in the area. Yeah. The flotilla of four submarines and towed lifeboats were doing well, and, but slowly, until the night of the 15th. When the sun rose on the 16th, U-156 found herself alone on the ocean. Uh, her deck was still covered in survivors and she still had the four full lifeboats but she'd actually become separated from the other three submarines mm -hmm. at 11.25am on the 15th the U-156 with the Red Cross draped across her gun deck was spotted by an American B-24 Liberator bomber from Ascension Island Hartenstein signalled the aircraft in English using Morse code and radio, informing him of the situation. One of the survivors, a British officer, messaged the plane. RAF officer speaking from German submarine, Laconia survivors on board, soldiers, civilians, women and children. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It is known that the pilot of the bomber, a Lieutenant James Harden of the United States Army Air Force, received and understood the message because he turned away and contacted his base. Captain Robert Richardson at Essential Island took the message. That would be Captain Robert Richardson III. We're talking American here, yeah. you know. We've, we've had this discussion yes, before. We have, yeah. Yeah. Seven minutes later, at 12.32pm in the afternoon... Lieutenant Harden returned to the scene. So he's disappeared, and he comes back. Yep. He then proceeds to attack the submarine with bombs and depth charges. One landed amongst the lifeboats in tow behind U-156, killing dozens of the Laconia survivors, while others straddled the submarine. He made four attack runs on the rescue mission before returning to base. His report stated the sub rolled over and was last seen bottom up. Crew had abandoned ship and taken to surrounding lifeboats. What a dick. This was a deliberate attack on a Red Cross sanctioned rescue mission. The submarine was clearly marked with a Red Cross and strategically placed over the armament of the rescuing sub. It was also towing four lifeboats filled with people, along with its own decks being packed with survivors. The commander of the sub could not have made it any clearer that he was on a rescue mission. He'd given away his intent, his position, and he'd done that two days previously. These messages are known to have been received and understood by all sides, British, American and German. The Germans, the Italians, the Free French and the British all sent vessels to assist the rescue operation. The British didn't actually get there because they were too far away, but they, they were involved in it. Unaware of the attack on 156, the U-507 and 506, along with the Italian submarine, the Capolini, continued... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Continued to look for and pick up survivors. The following day. 16th of September, Commander Revedin of the Capolini came across more survivors. He also found the scene of the attack on the 156 and those that had been left in the water. At 11.30, he also received the following message. Bordeaux to Capolini, reporting attack already undergone by other submarines. Be ready to submerge for action against the enemy put shipwrecked on rafts except women children and italians keep british prisoners keep strictest watch for enemy airplanes and submarines so he's now got the message 506 and 507 also received confirmation from headquarters in germany of the attack on the 156 commander schatz of the U-507 had collected 491 survivors, including 15 women and 16 children. Commander Verdeman of the 506 had 151, including 9 women and children. Both commanders were ordered to cast adrift all British and Polish survivors and send their positions to other rescue vessels. The two commanders chose to disregard these orders and not set any survivors adrift. Well, I would say that's the right thing to do in that situation. At least six American aircraft continued to search for the other submarines. They knew they were out there. On the 17th of September, Harden's B-24 sighted the 506 along with the 151 survivors on board. He made two attack runs on the submarine with bombs and depth charges. Commander Verdeman had no option but to crash dive, despite having Laconia survivors on deck. That caused them to be left swimming in the open ocean. The U-506 was not damaged in the attack. No, but I understand why he's decided to do that. Over the next few days surface ships managed to pick up several hundred Laconia survivors in the ship's lifeboats. 506, 507 and the Capolini also managed to meet up with surface rescuers and transfer those who had remained inside the subs. So in brief, what we have here is a German submarine attacks a legitimate military target after surfacing with the intention of supplying food, medication and a direction to the nearest land, the submarine commander has made a decision against orders to conduct a rescue mission. In addition, he actually made it known that he was doing so to all vessels in the area. He clearly marked his submarine and remained on the surface to save those that he could. The United States Army Air Force received the messages from the British and the submarine itself. They deliberately attacked the vessels that were clearly on a rescue mission. And it is because of these actions of the USAAF, USAAF? Yeah. Uh, that Admiral Donitz issued the Laconia Order. Yeah, I can kind of understand that now. This was a war crime that no one was ever held accountable for. Hmm. In fact, Lieutenant Harden and his crew were actually awarded medals for sinking the 156. No, seriously. After the war, the incident was investigated. Lieutenant Harden stated that he had been ordered to sink the submarine by Captain Richardson. 
Captain Richardson initially claimed he didn't know it was a rescue mission at the time, but he later changed this. He believed that the rules of war did not permit a combat ship to fly fly Red Cross flags. Does it? I don't honestly know. Well, I do, but I'll tell you in a minute. Oh. (laughs) He feared that the German submarine would attack the two Allied freighters diverted by the British to the site. He assumed that the German submarine was only rescuing Italian prisoners. That shouldn't make a difference, though. Even if it was, they're still stranded... In the middle of the ocean, 650 miles from here. In his tactical assessment, he believed that the submarine might discover and attack the secret Ascension Island airfield and fuel tanks, thus cutting off a critical Allied resupply route to the British forces in Egypt and the Soviet forces in Russia. Now that is that makes more sense. But if he'd used that first, that might have been a bit better. Yeah. The story doesn't end there. Let's go back to eleven twenty five on the morning of the sixteenth. U one five six under the command of Commander Heitenstein sees an American bomber. He sends an unambiguous Morse code message in English to the aircraft. He allows one of the surviving British officers to use his radio and reiterate this message. No reply was received from the plane, but it turned and flew away. Several minutes later, the bomber returns. It approached the submarine. The approach looks more like an attack than reconnaissance. It becomes very, very apparent that Lieutenant Harden is on an attack run. Hartenstein casts adrift the four lifeboats he's towing along with around their two with the, the, their two hundred occupants. He orders the survivors on his deck into the water and slowly dives the submarine to give them at least a chance. This left four hundred Laconia survivors in the water and on the four lifeboats. Harden made four attack runs on the now-submerging submarine, destroying half of the lifeboats in the process and killing their occupants, along with several of the survivors swimming in the water. After the attack, Harden flies off, leaving the Laconia survivors adrift in the middle of the ocean. Ignoring Commander Hartenstein's request that they stay in the area to be be rescued by the Vichy French the remaining two lifeboats decide to head for Africa. One, with 68 people on board, reached the African coast after 27 days at sea. Only 16 survived. Wow. The other was rescued by a British trawler after 40 days at sea, with only four of its 52 still alive. So of the 400 or so that entered the water, 20. 20 survived. Jeez. Of the Laconia's original complement of 2,732, only 1,113 survived. Of the 1,619 who died, 1,420 were Italian prisoners of war. The U-156 was actually undamaged in the attack and continued on to its original mission. But they got a accommodation for sinking it. They did. Yeah. Uh, I'd say <laughs> Lieutenant Harden and the crew of the Liberator were later awarded medals for the alleged sinking of the 156, when in fact they'd only sunk two lifeboats. Oh dear. Please tell me they lost their medals. No, they didn't. No. Under the Hague Convention, hospital ships are now protected from attack, but their identity must be communicated. They must be painted white with a red cross emblem and must not be used for other purposes. Since a submarine remained a military vessel, the red cross emblem did not confer automatic protection, although in many cases it would have been allowed as a practical matter. The order given by Richardson has been called a war crime, but the use of the red flag by an armed military vessel could also be classed as a violation. 
there's no provision in either convention for temporary designation of a hospital or rescue ship and historically under conventions of war ships engaged in in rescue operations are immune from attack so you're right if you are engaged in a rescue mission and it's evident yeah you should be immune from attack yeah because it's the right thing to do Mm. but the laconia incident had far-reaching consequences until until it happened as indicated in point one of the Laconia order, it was common for U-boats to assist torpedoed survivors with food, water, simple medical care, and a compass bearing. It was extremely rare for survivors to be brought on board as space on a U-boat was barely enough for its own crew. Donitz prohibited rescues now. Survivors were to be left in the sea. Even afterwards, though, U-boats still occasionally provided aid for survivors so even with the laconia order in place they still they still still did it at the nuremberg trials as i mentioned before the victorious allies uh, indicted donitz for war crimes with the issuance of the laconia order as its centerpiece and it's kind of backfired on the prosecution because its introduction allowed the defence to recount at length numerous instances where German submariners acted with humanity, where in similar situations the Allies didn't. Donitz pointed out that the order itself was a direct result of the callousness of the Americans. The Americans, for example, had practised unrestricted submarine warfare, i.e. their own Laconia order, which had been enforced since day one, since they entered the war. Yeah. Now, as mentioned at the start of this podcast, the Battle of the Atlantic, 75% of German submariners did not return. Of the submarines involved in the Laconia incident, the U-507 was sunk on the 13th of January 1943 in the South Atlantic, by depth charges from an American aircraft. All hands lost 54 crew. The U-156, which sparked the whole of this incident, was sunk at quarter past one in the afternoon on the 8th of March, 1943, east of Barbados, by depth charges from a United States aircraft. All hands lost 53 dead. U-506 was sunk at 10 to 4 in the afternoon on July the 3rd, uh, July the 12th, 1943, in the North Atlantic, west of Vigo in Spain, by depth charges from an American aircraft. 48 dead, 6 survived. How did they survive a submariner's attack? Potentially, the submarine was going down, and if you try and get out of a submarine, it's only... uh, two foot wide pipe you've got to climb up a ladder out of if it's going down you might get a chance to get out yeah if you're at the top if you're at the top but yeah six if you're survivors. underwater there's no surviving there is there no not whatsoever the only submarine to make it through the through the whole of the war was the italian one uh the capolini and when italy surrendered it was captured by the japanese navy and given to Germany in 1943. It became the UIT-24. When Germany surrendered, it was returned to Japan and became the I-503 and continued with an Italian, German and Japanese crew until the end of the war when the United States Navy seized it and then deliberately sank it in 1946. Hmm. That is the Laconia incident. I find that very interesting because it's... I mean, I know you hear, obviously, there are stories of... What's the way of saying it? Crimes of war, war Mm. crimes. But, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that we won the war. Maybe it's the fact that history is always written by the victors. But you don't really hear about British 
and Americans that have committed war crimes. I suppose, to be fair, the Americans did what they thought they were doing were doing right. I would say on on the basis of it, they've not technically not done anything wrong. No, but it's it's not really the but right thing to do. It's it depends on where you're, you're you're at war. You're fighting Germans. The fact is that the German commander of the submarine gave away his position, his yeah. information, and anything that he could he could to get people to help him rescue the people that he'd sunk. He'd sunk the ship in the first place. Yeah, which he was allowed to do. Yeah. He'd not, he'd not done anything wrong by sinking that ship because it's... No. Um, he didn't know that there were prisoners of war on it. No, why would he? Um, and he didn't know that there were women and children on it. But there you go. It's one of those stories that some people will know a little bit about it. You might have seen a picture of a submarine with loads of people on it mm. and thought of something else. You might have a vague idea. Some people will actually know the story, but not all the details. But there you go. Yeah, I must admit, it's not something I ever knew anything about, and I'm probably I'm going to assume that there's a lot of people that haven't heard anything about it, because there's not... There's not much in history that I've never heard of. So there are things that I know very little about. There are things that I I know the incident but don't know anything about it. This I'd never even heard of. It's- yeah, but what you've got to think, that this, that you say at the end of your podcast, every single podcast, mm. we all have a history. Yeah. Now, I've got a history. Some of the things that I've experienced... Nobody else knows about unless you were there. No, that's true. And they could be interesting to some people. So these are are, are incidents, you know, and I knew about this anyway, but I did a little bit more research and came up with some statistics and some of the the figures and things. Uh, And I was quite impressed with that. That was... um, It's quite serious. Like, when you, you think, I mean, obviously these... For me, these sub submarine captains have gone against their own orders. They've been given orders more to than just, once, yeah, yeah, to to disengage and to you know leave these guys to die. And they've gone, no, we're not doing that. That's not the right thing to do. And that American pilot was he, only acting on what he was told. But these Germans were dis- were thinking as a human, going, "Hang on a minute, we've been given orders, but these orders aren't really right." Surely, when he's diving to attack a submarine filled with people on the top, filled with lifeboats, he probably should have gone, I don't think this order's right, really. I'm going to pull off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it goes back to you know, that, that, the, 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 the Nuremberg trials. The German officers in the concentration camps were only following orders. Mm. And the question was, well, what happens if you didn't? I think and there's... You've got to think, if the American pilot had gone back and gone, we we gave it a go at attacking it, we realised that out, we'd like that they're out there, they're not going anywhere, they're 600 miles from shore, that's going to take them a couple of days. I mean, what is it? it took one of them 27 days in a rowing boat. Yeah. It's going to take them at least a week yeah. to get to the shore. It's not as if it was like, they're going to get away, they're going to get away, quick, get to them. Yeah. You know, they could have... So The worst that yeah. would have happened to that pilot had he have turned around and gone, it's a survivor's mission, I'm not going to attack it, is he'd have been court-martialed, maybe sent to prison for the rest of the war. But that's it. The difference between the concentration camps is, for me, as a lot, and I never, never will claim to, to say that what they did was right, but if someone's holding a gun to your head which a lot of these prison officers in these concentration camps were. They were saying, you know, you kill these people or if you're not going to do it, we're just going to get rid of you and kill you and find someone who will do it. Mm. I I'm, I'm can honestly say that if it's me or someone else, I'm surviving. If I'm given the option, yeah, I, would, I, I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look back on it and go, well, that's a good part of my life, but... I know you'd, you'd obviously these guys lived with the guilt, and there's no way of. So, I mean, obviously we've looked at some of the trials. People like Irma Greaser, who absolutely loved what she was doing. You know, there were a lot of Nazi 
officials who went through it and they absolutely loved the torturing and loved killing these people but there must have been guys in there thinking this is not right this is we shouldn't be doing this but if i don't do it i'm gonna get a bullet in my head oh yeah so very much so and if you're you're in that situation i do think it's it's very hard to condemn someone for that but i say it doesn't make the act right and i think well he should definitely have lost his medal (laughs) that's kind of there's no two ways about as soon as it the fact that he turned around and said oh yeah we sunk the u-boat oh brilliant fantastic and he turned out actually no mate you you actually sunk two two lifeboats containing containing survivors yeah yeah, with civilians on board you know that would have been the point where you go actually you know that medal we gave you i don't think you deserved (laughs) that really Mm. but yeah very very interesting um I said I know obviously I know about the Battle of the Atlantic. I didn't realise it was that bloody long. It started at the start of the first, the start of the Second World War and it ended on the last day. Yeah, I didn't realise it. I mean obviously you know the story I mean obviously I covered the Bismarck, that's another part of the War of the Atlantic and Oh yeah. You know, there there are things on there, but yeah, I didn't realise it was that long. I don't think the that particular battle is something you can cover in in an episode it does have to be specific incidences because there's just well yeah i mean any battle that's you're talking probably an overview of about 20 minutes is all you'd get out of an episode rather than a deep dive into well that's right i mean how do you get five years eight months five days into 45 minutes you can't you have (laughs) have to just pick certain incidences and and go through it um i mean i always find that very interesting with um the rms rather than HMS. Right, HMS is her or his majesty's ships. Yeah. Like, last year, 2022, all British Navy ships, Royal Navy ships, were her majesty's ship, whatever yeah. it was. When the Queen died... They all became his majesty. They all became his majesty's ship. Yeah. Yeah? Royal Mail ships are ships that are designated able to carry mail from the UK. Okay. So they would be passenger ships and certain cargo ships. Like the Titanic was an RMS. Titanic was an RMS. It was carrying mail. If it's neither of those two, Mm. it's the MV. Merchant vessel. Merchant vessel or motor vessel. Ah. And you may get... Uh, M Y. Motor yacht. Okay. So your your um millionaires boats are M Y. You know they're M Y. Okay. That's the British designation. I don't know what the American one is. I know that they've got the USS. Yeah, they have you. Yeah, United States ships, and uh, and of course. But they um, have USS for submarines as well, because it's US United States ships and United States submarines. Yeah, same as us. We've got HMS Conqueror. Oh, yeah. HMS Conqueror is a submarine. Wow, that was a blonde moment. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> submarine and ship start with the same letter, Dan. Wow. Yeah. You know, you've got His Majesty's Australian ship. Oh, yeah, they have that... Um, the HMAS yeah. is the Australian Navy. Yeah. And believe it or not, HMCS... Canadian? Is the Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find that weird, though, like that we Canada because like Australia the the connection between England and Australia has, has been there for for donkeys I don't feel we have the same connection with Canada as we do with the Aussies um, maybe it's because the Aussies can take a bit of banter you know you can have a bit of a laugh with the Aussies you can have a beer and Canadians are partially French as well aren't they so nah, well if you go back to one of my episodes you'll find out that they only speak French because we let them because we we kicked Bel- the French out in believe it or not the Americans only speak English because we allowed it yeah. and there is a law in UK that says we only loaned them the uh, the language for something like 200 or 250 years uh, in the expectation that they would develop their own language in the time that they've got 
basically you listened to Joe Biden. They, they have their have, own language. They have their own language. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, they, they, it's the same language. We can understand each other, but certain words are pronounced differently. Yeah. And, uh, Although, there's me to totally. be honest, it's American. You have American, what I would call American English and British English. Yeah, you do. Which technically are both English. You know, and I don't know about American schools, but I'm assuming they don't have American classes. They have English classes. Yeah, I would have thought so. Because I don't know. I, mean, I might be wrong. Oh, you know? they, I know they have American history classes, but they, I don't. Yeah, I think well, they they'll would. be short, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we was t- we was talking about that, wasn't we, a few weeks ago? And we were saying like, for a country that's 250 years old, they've half done a lot, haven't they? They have done a hell of there's a lot. A, there's there is as much history I could, in there. I could spend my life researching American history and, and come up with done. thousands of stories. Yeah. In fact, a lot of my stories are American. Funnily enough, they are they yeah. are American-based. And yeah. it's like, well, I look back and I think, why? Mm. But it's be- like you said, because they have crammed a lot in. There's a lot of them. Mm. You know, but there's more Indians and there's more Chinese. So why don't we do... I must admit, they, I find... I. I from that i mean i i've looked at doing episodes on um so like uh i can't think of his name now yamashita um the last samurai he was called I can't remember, so but i looked at doing that and i thought oh what a great episode would that be you know the last samurai and i'm looking at it and i'm thinking 90 percent of these words i can't pronounce so what's the i literally can't do an episode on something that i can't even pronounce because it just doesn't sound right um, I've looked at things like um, the Mad Mullah in Sudan and, and um, Somaliland and things like that. And again, there's just so much about it that's fantastic, but I can't pronounce the words in a way that would make do it sound... justice. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might be another reason. I mean, I don't do any French history because I don't like the French. Um, Does anybody? <laughs> Sorry, but if you're French, I apologise for that. I actually don't think we've got many French lists, or, or if any... Um, are we, I, I do want to do. I do want to go into a bit of Australian history. We have had a message, um, something to do with the the last cavalry charge in war. So that might so be the something. last cavalry charge of the First World War was Australian. Australian. Yeah, and that's. Um, I tell you, I've been looking at doing Ned Kelly, hmm. the Australian um, the serial Aus- killer, the, the Australian, uh, yeah, Australian outlaw. Mm. I've looked at it. Was he, was he a serial killer? He was, I've How got do you a lot define to do. It? Do you define it as a serial killer? I thing? would define him as an outlaw. Yeah. Initially. A bit like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get round to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have to do that one. But yeah, um, For those of you who aren't... Yeah. <laughs> for those of you who are new, we're, um, we're doing a Bonnie and Clyde off. <laughs> um, it's an episode that Dad wanted to do ages ago, and I went, I've already done that. And he went, no, you haven't. I went, I have. It's on Patreon. So yeah. um, I'm not on Patreon, yeah, so I've never heard it. It's not on my Patreon. Um, so we're going to have to... We're going to put it out. I will put it out, but I'm going to do it sort of like the week before we're going to record that one. Yeah. So rather than leave it out there for ages. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a lot of work to do on that one. It's not in the uh, forthcoming weeks. It'll be what, a bit, bit further away. What shocked that. me was when we spoke about it and you went... You could do 45 minutes on the final gun battle, and I'm like, I did 45 minutes on their entire life, like from the day <laughs> they were born to the day they died. I'm like, and I'm not sure I can... So Pad it out that yeah, way. Yeah, I can't do that. But yeah, it's um, that's coming up. There's a few coming up, actually. So mm. yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, more time, we're getting more time together at the moment, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for that episode. And guys, like I say, every time, um, drop us a message. Uh, uh, reviews. I will get round to reading reviews. So like I said we had three there that I haven't read out before. Um, so if you do leave us a review, I will read them out. Uh, unless it's a one or a two star review, then it will go to the bin, and I'm not really interested. <laughs> but no, I will. I'll read them out as well because if it's constructive criticism, it's always good. But. Um, yeah, we'll always always get round to them, reading them out. Give give yourselves a shout out on the podcast. So for those of you who've heard your name today, uh, let me know. Get onto the Facebook group. Um, this picture will be going up, um, obviously before the episode. I'm saying now like it's happened, but I don't think uh, anyone will guess this. So mm. if anyone has guessed this, well done, because I'll be extremely impressed if anyone's guessed this before the show. 
Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Get over to Patreon. We have had two new Patreon um, members, so thank you very much, guys, for coming over. And that is um, David and Paul um, and Ian McKenzie. So thank you, Verus Three, actually. So that's even better. We'll take that. Three, fa- fantastic. The more guys that come over to Patreon, the better it is for the podcast. Um, the more we can grow and and things like that. So I say it every week. So thank you very much, guys, for for coming back and joining. So yeah, get yourselves over there, and we'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.